Yes, ladies and gentlemen, it's me again. <laughs> okay. Hello and welcome to the weekly side eye at 9 p.m. this week, just for one week only. And I had to do it because I was so excited to make sure that I had this guest on my show. I'm very excited to welcome comedian and ventriloquist all the way from Cape Town, South Africa. Give it up for Conrad Cock. How are you doing, Conrad? Hey, hey, great to see you. It's great to be here, Dana. Yeah, yeah I'm good. Great. So how have you been doing? How What's going on in Cape Town right now? What's the COVID situation? Lockdown. Uh, that's hard to tell. Uh, yeah, we're locked down uh, level one, which means that uh, there's basically no lockdown. You have, there's a curfew. You have to be home by 12 and you can go out at like four. So there's not really, you know, there's no, you can't get drunk in the streets, basically. Uh, but other than that, we're sort of almost back to normal. We've got, you know, we, we've got gigs happening, which obviously, you know, in our world is, is brilliant. Oh, so uh, good. You know, it, it's, but you know, uh, but we were in a recession before all this hit. So this is just, it's more the recession. That's the pain in the ass. Uh, there's just less money in the system, but you know, Brexit. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, they, you guys can't even get freaking fruits, you know. No, so we, yeah, I've got nothing to complain about. I'm loving it. I'm, 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 I'm good. I've, we're learning new skills. Here I am talking to you. We wouldn't have done this. We would never have thought, wow, we should get on Facebook and talk to each other or Twitch. Uh, but here we are doing it. Yes, we are on Facebook and Twitch. And of course, I'll be uploading these lives to YouTube and Instagram lately. So folks, I'll let you know a little bit about the show today. Today is the K -K -K Karen edition. I'm sure everyone is familiar with what a Karen is. They have been terrorizing us since 2019. And I'm just going to bring the best Karens. We're going to talk about the best Karens. We're going to talk about <laughs> why Karen's Karen and how we can stop Karens. Maybe I'm a little bit of a Karen. I don't know. We're going to get a little bit into that. So without further ado, let's get right into it. Uh, I like to start with the global lockdown report. And I am sad to report uh, Canadian cases are up to 7,072 from 6,427 from last week. Britain, even though we have the vaccination program, we have also, or we are also experiencing a slight raise in uh, positives. And that is at 2,685 new cases. That is a daily total. Uh, and then in South Africa, you guys have gone up just slightly, slightly um, with 880 new cases as of yesterday. And that is uh, up just slightly from last week, which was 853. And I like to share the good news as well. Vaccinations in Canada are coming along. 37.7 million or 7 million have had their first dose. That's almost half the population. Amazing. That's great. That's Second dose, one. Um, then in Britain, we have over half the population with 33.8 million and second dose at 13 million. I think I actually am mistaken on the Canadian stat. Don't quote me on the Canadian stat, actually. I think it's, yeah, it's, I think it's more like one or three, I think it's 3.77 million. That's my mistake. Sorry about that, folks. Mm -hmm. And in South Africa, because you guys are doing the Johnson and Johnson, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, that's not why. That's not why we're so you get it's because we didn't get our act together and COVID apartheid and uh, we're uh, you know developing world country and those uh, vaccination people have their 
hands on those patents and we can't get around that and is uh, that what it is is that's why you guys are you are using the uh, johnson and johnson well we're using the johnson and johnson because we got the astrazeneca and then we found out it doesn't work on the south african variant well as they call it the south african variant we just discovered it but now astrazeneca does not work on the south african variant apparently so well it just works less you know so they went let's get the johnson johnson but the truth is that they should have been on the COVID game much earlier but we have a developing world organizational problems of you know we had massive uh, uh, tender fraud with the with the ppe space and the same kind of things going on within the vaccination space is definitely happening so it's just very frustrating to watch you would have thought you know on day one buy vac- vaccines but They'll argue, oh, they were hedging their bets. This, but they just—it's sort of a sad South African problem. Is that we we have the competent people who could get it done are not being allowed to get it done. So we should not be have on three hundred thousand vaccines. We should be way ahead of that. But what is the population know, of South Africa? It's about sixty million. I think it's like fifty. Similar million, to the, so. similar to the UK. Oh, so that's super low. And I feel like did did you feel like this sense at the beginning of COVID? They were almost like angry at Africa for not getting it as bad as they got it. <laughs> did, did you? Well, I think that's that? no. There was there was you know why won't they die? Normally, you know, there was the the, the always the hope of that you know even the I had I wrote a show in this uh, that that uh, we would there would be a new social compact that finally the world would have to care what's happening in Africa because, you know, oh, Ebola, that's not our problem. People die too fast for us to get it. And you can't catch poverty from shaking someone's hand, but you can catch COVID. <laughs> so people were forced to give a fuck. But, they, they uh, you know, the, 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 you know, when Italians are dying, then suddenly someone's going to notice that. Uh, but, you know, we live in South Africa. People die all the time. We have kids that drown in poo at their school toilets, which is a direct product of British colonialism. So to go, oh my God, COVID's here. It's like, yeah, we have a long list of things that's killing poor black people, uh, uh, including the South African government. So uh, yes, there was anger, but also the truth is we don't know what our numbers are because people die for the crazy, like we've got massive TB numbers. So those would have spiked um, ability to measure whether people died or access to healthcare is uh, abysmal. So how many Africans actually died of COVID is also a difficult one to actually be sure of. Uh, look at uh, Uganda's president who just said, there's no such thing. We're fine. We've covered it with prayer. And then he died of it. So it's just like the sad, we did do okay, but we also didn't do okay. It's very hard to tell. Well, I, I mean, the only thing that's saving us right now is the vaccine. But I, like you said, that the AstraZeneca is not working on the South African variant, which apparently doesn't spread as easily. There's new variants. There's a double mutated variant coming out of <laughs> India now. Of course there is. <laughs> you know, this thing's a busted. This is, it's, so too it's too no, much. It's too much. It's intense. It is way it's a too variant much. on a variant on a, like what is happening to this thing? No, it's it's I'm it's, just surprised India was safe for as long as it was. And I mean, I think a, a lot another thing people don't talk about enough is how many vaccines because India is a vaccine producer, how many vaccines India gave to other countries, you know, We're and now vaccines from India. Exactly. And I think people really need to remember that as they see what's happening in India. And I hope that you know, we tend to have a little bit of an individualistic attitude, sadly, in uh, Britain, much like the Americans. And I, we did actually drop off uh, some ventilators to them, but I, I don't know. There's always some kind of a government reason for that, like you know, quid pro quo. What you know, what I'm talking about. Yeah. So 
lockdown has been, I've been happy to be locked, not totally happy, but a lot of good things have happened for lockdown. So this is a segment I like to call lockdown life. Yes. Oh yeah. So for me, um, my lockdown life this week, I usually pick something that annoys me because, hey, why not? We yeah. actually had uh, anti-lockdown protest two weeks before our lockdown ends. What the hell? These are the crowds. <laughs> they are getting COVID. Well and, and, and this is what this guy's uh, sign reads. The reason why the UK is getting a second wave is because it fits the political agenda and narrative. Please explain. Yeah, let's stop all the business. Uh, oh, please. Oh, yes. Right. That's Trafalgar Square. Oh, I'm, I don't know how. I don't know if I can sit there for like another year. <laughs> Look at that. Bananas. No, we also have such people. It's like a Karen. It's a Karen convention. Can you tell me, like, why is it that these people who are anti-lockdown have to also be anti-mask and anti-vaxxers? It's like, why don't you just go into the street with a sword? Yeah, no, just, like, just go stab people. I mean, if you're such a hater, just walk around spraying it in their faces. I uh, know it's it's bonkers. We had the same sort of a thing, super entitled, very much Karen types, uh, in a beach in Cape Town called Fishhook. You know, no, you must use aromatherapy. It'll just just people just heal. Don't just go surf, go do what you want to do, have a good time. And you're like, yeah, it's easy for you to say your family's far less likely to die of COVID because you can afford to socially distance and afford to live uh, with enough space. So so you don't care, which I mean, but that the whole, I mean, you've come to South Africa. The whole story is that the entire conversation is that kind of rubbish. So it wasn't surprising. Just luckily we have less, I think we have less numbers of that type of thing here because we just have less access to entitlements. Yeah, there's certain people who like it's well, I talked about this last week, but it was so funny to me. Like when I saw how people were behaving when they were locked down, like you look at the Chinese, they're growing potatoes on their balcony. The Italians are singing operas. You're like, yo, what are you doing? Right What's now? going on? Priorities. Awesome moments. I actually love that part of it though. I loved seeing, I love seeing how like you know, you're never gonna see well, you're unlikely to see a situation again where human beings are forced into such an extreme environment. Like you're gonna what? You're gonna yeah, and then we saw those little videos of people lowering their dogs with a rope so it could walk outside and the Italians, as you say, singing in the streets. Like we're unlikely to hit unless you know climate change takes our its hold that it might. We're unlikely to see such a and nature and nature has gone wild. Like there's certain places in Thailand where all the marine life has come back to certain islands because no one's been able to go there. But then there's yeah. a couple places in Thailand where monkeys have just taken over the city. Like people are grabbing up monkeys and sterilizing them. <laughs> you know monkeys. <laughs> the, the monkeys all over are, the place. The monkeys Busted. are running things, running things. So I'm just going to let my guests know a little bit more about what you do in comedy. This is Conrad Cock, like I said, all the way in Cape Town, South Africa. And here is a little clip from Conrad. So much has changed in the last few months in South Africa. I know it's insane. Hey, guys, it is insane. We used to have racists running the country, you know, during apartheid. And then we had a corrupt sex maniac. And now we have a billionaire. It's like we've been getting Donald Trump in installments. <laughs> <laughs> And, and, then, and then Jacob Zuma wouldn't go. No, he wouldn't go. He would not go. He would not go. The ANC was like, he won't go. He will not go. He won't. It sounded like Jacob Zuma couldn't go. He won't go. 
You won't go. You won't go. It's easy to make Jacob Zuma. It's easy to make Jacob Zuma food. Just say Ramaphosa. <laughs> and then he's like, <laughs> You can just say Rana. <laughs> just say Margarine. <laughs> Was they didn't know which day it would happen. It was like this intense, I guess. They were like, no, it's going to happen today. Okay, tomorrow. Okay, next week. Okay, maybe never. We don't know. It was like trying to get a landline from Telcom. <laughs> today, tomorrow, maybe never. And then, and, then, and then it got this weird, like, all sorts of amazing policy changes. I know, I know. Did you, did you guys register to vote? Did you register, right? Did you register? White people, you got tricked. I don't know if you realize, because the ANC said they're taking land without compensation, and two weeks later they said, tell us where you live. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Conrad Cock, everybody, make sure you check him out on social media. I absolutely love that little puppet. It's it must be so freeing as a comedian because I always kind of like envy character like comics in a way because they can just let that character say all the crazy shit they don't want to be accountable for. (laughs) Like that's how I (laughs) it's mad. And especially you don't see me at all uh, when he's on TV, normally on his you know, his political TV shows type stuff for the people watching. He's that he does sort of like a a daily show-esque kind of political satire on our 25 news channel uh, called ENCA. And then he's on his own with politicians. Great. Yeah, I know he gets away with murder. No, I thought it was funny because I think someone took the puppet to court. Didn't someone try to strangle yeah, the yeah, puppet? Yeah, we had a white supremacist. Uh, we, we nailed him. And then the, the, the guy, he took us on because Chester, the puppet's got a lot of Twitter followers. And we took this guy on, on Twitter. And then the puppet was literally in the court papers. And then the lawyer is this like, neo-nazi type character who like it's a crazy racist and then afterwards he tried to push the puppet out the way but in a screen if you try smack something in a screen you look like he looked like he was changling the puppet it was that's so it funny. was You're terrible like, but it was great tv he's, he's probably like oh my neck my wrist i mean my neck my neck <laughs> that was too much <laughs> Oh my God! So yeah, we're gonna get good. we're gonna get right into the carinators. I always like to um, start with some of my favorite uh, memes and social media posts. Obviously, topical on the subject of Karen, and this is my favorite. We got this mad-looking Cabbage Patch doll. Uh, employee disagrees. Karen, I love <laughs> that. <laughs> <laughs> so we do with the, we do this on uh, sound uh, SoundCloud as well, so I have to explain them a little bit so that our audio listeners understand what these moons are saying. Me speaks in a foreign language in a coffee shop. Karen, this is America. <laughs> I love when they tell people who are like Native Americans to go back to their country. Like, no bounds. Caucasity knows no bounds. <laughs> it's madness. The certainty of our lives is absolutely beyond belief. It's crazy. When an, mm. when an unstoppable force meets an immovable object, let me speak to the manager. Uh-huh. I am the manager. It's the haircut, <sighs> man. <laughs> I am the manager. And the haircut that never moves. I love that. I feel so... I, I can't say I feel bad because she is the original Karen, but you, do you remember that show, Kate Goslin, John and Kate plus eight? The woman who no, was so... No, no. She wanted she Definitely. wanted a baby so bad. She wanted a baby. So she got hyper like fertility treatments and ended up having like six kids at the same time she already had twins 
before and she, her stomach was like out to here, but she's just like a mad yeah. woman. But it's so sad. Like I look at care memes and it's just like, it's only, it's only this one woman. Yeah. Hilarious. She, she's a and South Africa, it's got a real vibe because that, uh, that look is very white South African and particular, especially with the uh, peroxided three tone hair, the bit of red and bit of brown. That's if you go to the right part of like particularly Afrikaans people, the right part of Pretoria or Bloemfontein, it's a very particular, very kind of entitled kind of, you know, that person there. Do, are they, are those, are those... speaks Afrikaans that you, you know exactly where that they... cultural position comes. It's and terrible they... and a huge generalization I'm making before this gets grabbed and used as uh, Emma. Yes. But did you, are they the ones that kind of pronounce white wine like white wine? <laughs> Who are those ladies? Because I've met those yeah, ladies. No, no, no. We have those. Black no, line. we have those. We have, we have those. They, they probably be a bit more uh, body warmer, uh, yoga pants type thing. They're a slightly different angle on the Karen. Uh, they, they're slightly less like this. Probably likely have a slightly newer looking haircuts. That particular haircut I'd associate with very racial. <laughs> yeah, it's dated. You'd see it in like a more rural, like a mullet. Like a mullet. Yeah, it's like a it's like it goes slowly <laughs> mullet culture. There'd probably be a bit more of an accent, slightly less English sounding person. It's terrible that I'm saying this because it's you, you know. Well, that, <laughs> but we're gonna true. get into that, like because now it kind of gets turned around when you call somebody a carrot or you identify if you say things like white fragility, white splaining, Karen's people are like you're being racist. I'm like I am sorry, I don't really see any systems oppressing you. <laughs> like No, 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 that's madness. No, no, that is madness. No, no, that that's just bananas. I, th I think more that um yeah, I'm very you know why I'm cautious here is because I've literally gone to court with the right wing in South Africa. So and they're always angling for this like there's a there's a tension between English speaking white South Africans and Afrikaans white South Africans because the British came and colonized them you know they had colonized someone else but the the, the english uh hammered down on who had access to whiteness not dissimilar to what they did in the south and the states you had to like so so people like irish people just became more racist in order to have access to this this advantage position called being white so so in other words what the english did is took this extreme white supremacy pushed down on afrikaans people and to prove that access to this kind of privilege or should have access to this elite group uh pushed back even harder so afrikaans is actually sort of very mixed the afrikaans language is a product of brown people invented it the first afrikaans was written by in a, it was the quran by a cape malay priest uh, imam so i didn't know the, that the, the, no, no, it's 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 a it's a Creole language. It's a black language that was jacked by white people. <laughs> you know, we, even a language, and so like twerking and, so and Miley of, Cyrus, and all of that. We jacking languages, yeah. And and the what and what and what happened and dreads, but and what happened was um, that we we kind of took over this Afrikaans people were kind of quite mixed race. Uh, they, they're yeah. very uh, a lot, lot of, of African black colored too. Yes, we have that that weird term where we've got this black people who, a lot of whom, not all of whom, but many of whom speak Afrikaans because that's who invented Afrikaans. And this line between white Afrikaners and black Afrikaners was pure racism. A lot of people mm -hmm. who say I'm a white Afrikaner uh, were actually uh, just mixed race people who were being... Or less mixed. That's one thing I thought was so interesting about having what they call a colored community because it was just basically a term that referred to anyone who wasn't black or white so many people seem to fit 
under that umbrella. But I just oh, love ridiculous spots. I just love how the I love how the, the how the looks change. How when you mix the two, how some have really straight hair, some have hair as thick as mine, some are darker than me, some are super white. Well, there was the Chameleon Act right in 1984, where people would be able to racially rec reclassify themselves. Cause I guess I, I'm, I'm sure, I don't know if you read it, but um, Trevor Noah had a book born a crime and the, his mother was obviously black. His dad was white and he would be considered colored. So it was just kind of like, how do families function when you actually have somebody who's mixed? It wouldn't make sense to have a black, you, you, you might've been called colored cause you turned out lighter than your black sister, but then it would make it impossible for you to even exist. Am I saying that incorrectly? Yeah, no, that's exactly crazy stuff like that happened. My wife uh, is what, uh, you know, is colored and it, uh, she hates the term in some ways. And she's, she, it's because of how it gets used on her. She doesn't mm -hmm. mind. She identifies as colored herself. Mm -hmm. But the, white, the way white people in particular and black people often too, because they're quite a small group in South Africa. But um, what, what happened is uh, her dad's sister actually became white during apartheid and grew up white. Her father, who's black, was you know, is mixed race. Mm. So it's this insane splitting of families and choices that had to be made. It's so ugly. It's 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 it's, really it's so weird. I always get like, when I was in Johannesburg. I remember seeing like a lot of Cape Town colored people like saying hey to me, like we were like they thought it was color because you don't see as many colored people in Joburg as you do in Cape Town. Am I wrong yeah. about that? No, no, you're right. But it's also it's not it's it's also because there are so many black people. So. Uh, there are a lot of colored people in Joburg. You just see them less because apartheid forced people to live in weird, spread out areas versus colored people's presence in Cape Town is much more felt. And there are more of them. Mm. Uh, this comes into the sort of Karen conversation in levels of entitlements uh, and entitlements again. So what I was trying to say about uh, when I go, well, you know, those Karens with the haircuts, if I'm if I come across like I'm sort of generalizing about Afrikaans people then as a there's a level of of uh, of of prejudice that can function this so I need to make sure I got that out of it but when you well, go access to white privilege and the fact that calling someone a Karen because they're being entitled the idea that they're being oppressed by having racism pointed out is just it's like farting and then being upset because someone sprayed air freshener it's oppressing me it's, it's ridiculous and my, and my other friend who, who does he's a professor or a, like a, a uni teach university i guess that would be or make her a professor in miami she always talks about how there's such there's such a big difference between like offensive racism and defensive racism do you know what i mean so if a particular group yeah tends to treat you in a certain way and you're saying this is the behavior that i have a problem with and all of a sudden like no you can't generalize or now now you're making our problems i'm like no i'm sorry i'm J my, my family's jamaican i am not going to sit here and pretend there isn't a massive problem with homophobia and hatred towards people in the lgbtq community because it would just be a lie do you know and i think that's the part where i struggle with because, because it's just even donald trump this is the one we might i forgot to <laughs> I need to speak to the manager <laughs> of <laughs> but but, but do, you, do you know what I mean? Like there, but it's <laughs> it's so interesting to me because you know my problem is is I think I hate to say it. My mom, I'm okay. My mother is mixed race, and she is a Karen. My mom is so much of a Karen, but she's she's a Karen on the side of justice. Like she's not going to get into your business. Do you know what I mean? For something stupid. Okay, well, 
Okay, tell me if this is a carrot. Okay, the last time I talked to my mom, she was looking out over her little backyard area that everybody kind of looks into. And there were two teenage kids like humping each other on the grass. <laughs> mom went crazy. Like legit scamping each other. Oh, legit. yeah. And my mom was like, Dana, hold on a minute. I got to film. She's like, I'm going to take this to the community board. <laughs> my mom, my mom didn't even know what a Karen was until her white girlfriend told her. <laughs> but I love it. Hilarious. But it is. But you know what? The, 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 but that's not really being a cat. I think that avoids the power dynamics that the term implies. The power, the, the Karenness comes in when you use, uh, when you're coming, it, it gets really complex when you start saying this, but when you come from a, a someone with a socially more access to pop, they phone the police like that white woman in the park phoning that African-American guy with, with her dog. Uh, mm -hmm. uh and and she started hurting her dog you know that she she knows if she phones the police they're going to come and look after her foster that's not the dynamic going on when your mom points out the teenagers they, they don't have the same those power dynamics aren't there mm. if it was a white woman phoning about some black kids there would be a more i wouldn't say that's being a karen but it's a more complex issue you can't really now you know, I, or a wealthier poor or any language, but it, yeah, no, 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 I, not the same. Not okay, the same. I I got Karen in my bedroom. <laughs> I, yes, I did. Yeah, well, what happened? My drunk roommate came home, started accusing us of locking her out. She was too drunk to open the door. We're just like, fuck off. It's two o'clock in the morning. She bursts into my room after I slammed the door in her face. Burst in. I had to move her out. She bursts in again. I move her out again. And she holds up her wrist. She's like, I'm calling the police. And she put glee on her face. I was like, bitch, do it. I fucking dare you. I'm just That's like, because you know, because you know what? Because you want to know what I knew? I could sound white on the phone. <laughs> I could. I was like, I'm sorry. She disturbed us in the middle of the night. We've been sleeping for four hours. She is so intoxicated. She does not even know. They didn't come. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but, but I feel but they didn't come. Did they? No. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, yeah. She tried to phone. She tried oh, to phone. She tried to no, phone. It man. Ridiculous. Get out of oh. here. Oh, it was Get crazy. It was absolutely insane. Yeah, it does happen. So, of course, yeah. you all know that this is the K -K -K Karen idea uh, edition. But there's not just Karens in this world. We're going to get a little bit more into other versions of Karen. But let's get into right away who is Karen. Because like you said, you don't want to just group all people as a Karen. But in your, in your humble opinion, what defines a Karen for you, Conrad? Well, you know, the, the way the term's used colloquially is the idea of someone, it's, in, it's a sort of a simile for entitlement. So the moment someone sort of starts enforcing their socio-political power over a person who's more likely to be uh, sidelined by it, it's that's someone being a Karen. So in the South African environment, we see it hugely because so, you know, most of the people, South, white South Africans are five times or to six times wealthier than black South Africans. So most of the time when there's a manager, you know, if you come, you've been here, most of the people serving you or all the people serving you are black. Unless you go to quite an exclusive place, then you know, there suddenly there's all white people and you, what happened? So the, the dynamic is always one of, you know, you know, as a white person, if you demand speak to the manager, it's likely to be another white person who arrives or someone who will respect your whiteness as currency. And so you just get more traction. 
And it's more than just we need to look after our customers. So the question of being a Karen is someone who starts using a privileged position over and above just what's the decent thing to do. So it's really important to remember that power dynamic because as soon as you do, you're forgetting the social justice dynamic of trying to make a fairer. It's like, it's like people who want to keep you in your place because I find like when I see most Karens in action, it's when they're trying to do something towards a black person and the black person is not having it and they don't have the power to stop them physically, legally or otherwise. So they try to call in a bigger force. And the, the thing that makes it so sick is when you look at, um, you know, the, the death. How overrepresented black people are um, dying in custody, even in the UK, in the US, yeah, right? Even when it comes to police interactions, stop and search, even when it comes to, you know, being killed by the police. We'll get into that a little bit later because I have some stats that I want to share. But there are a couple of definitions of Karen that I did come across. Some of them are kind of funny. All right. Yeah. All right. Drives an SUV to carpool her kids to soccer practice and better hope that red doesn't make that ref doesn't make a wrong call. Cause she will. So uh, loves to use snap, snap, snap grab to post her workout selfies. Guilty, guilty, guilty. <laughs> After a long day of talking to managers and driving her kids around, she sits with her mom's friends at a book club and drinks lots of wine. Oh my God, Karen, you really have to talk to the Burger King manager every time they forget to give your kid a ketchup package. Yes. LOL. Yes. I have Facebook and Instasnap uh, it to all my friends to make sure everybody knows about it. Watch out. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. There are yeah, a couple. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, talking to the manager is a South African trope. I want to speak to because that's literally the conversation. That's, you know, black South Africans who didn't have access to workforce, South Africans are not, you know, the, the, the mainstream economy get mainstream, but it's always at a lower level. And it's, it's across the corporate board. Six out of 10 senior managers in South Africa are white. So every time a Karen arrives, it's, it, you're going to be, it's, it, they've got this brutal race dynamic and just white, you know, and it's in English or Afrikaans. And it, if you're talking African languages, get sidelined. It's got the sort of brutal it's reinforcing so, of apartheid in our environments. It's horrible. You know, terrible. I always, it's, it is terrible, but I always found when I went to South Africa, it was very strange because Obviously, I can't speak any African languages. I'm Jamaican. I do, like, I finally just learned how to say cosa. And I hope I said it right. I don't even know if I said that right. So nice. oftentimes I'm disconnected through languages if I'm not speaking with someone who's an English speaker. But then I always thought I was black here. But apparently in South Africa, I am colored. I had no idea. But then I don't have, like, culturally, we have so little in common sometimes. Do you know what I mean? Just because I'm from Canada. Yeah. I live in England. and then. It's weird because, like, culturally, I have so much in common with white people in South Africa somehow. So it's weird because I get to, like, I can pass for black so I could go to places in Soweto. I could pass for colored, so that's cool. I can, like, I can kind of go between those two. But then white people are comfortable because of my accent and income. It's just very <laughs> strange. The irony of the side. Yeah, well, that's what it became was the access to sort of class membership. So we elect black people into our 
privileged environment one at a time with, through schooling, etc. And literally, the best schools in the country are all in previously white areas. And you can only go to those schools if you live near it, which obviously costs a lot. So in other words, the same people are getting the same best schooling. And so black kids arrive and literally change their accent. I can play you a video. Oh, of, yeah. Uh, it's, the audio will come across nicely. This is the Springbok rugby captain describing what it was like to go from a township. His name Sia Colisi. Describing what it was like to go from a township school uh, to a gray, which is a, white, a, a, a previously whites-only school, but it's still that same elitist, you know, Karen, male Karen training ground. And this is his cultural experience. I was an A student in the township. Then when I went to gray, I had to adapt to a whole new culture, culture that was in mine. I had to learn how to speak English. And I felt so stupid because I was failing because I didn't understand the language, but it made me feel, no, maybe I wasn't, I wasn't smart enough, you know, and I had to learn English and then, yeah, and then I had to adapt to this culture and I had to conform to the culture to feel accepted and welcomed, you know, and only one or two people wanted to understand a little bit more about my culture. So that's it. Uh, let me go back to me. No, it, it is crazy because when I go to South Africa, very rarely do I meet white people that speak any African languages. And the ones that I do speak them because they were like running a farm. Yeah. Like so that just There's to no communicate pressure. to people that were working, no working for them. British colonialism. There's no pressure. Absolutely. You can live in Africa and not speak a single African language or even be able to say. And like we, we just renamed Port Elizabeth Kabeja which is... Uh, and they the can't pronounce it. They can't, yeah, so you could have got like the whole ton of material. It's wonderful. There's a racist can't go to uh, PE anymore. I, I want to go to PE. you got to say that. Durban. But you know So, yeah, I mean, we have, there's no pressure to assimilate. And, and I guess you, you, you carry a currency uh, with your accents that gives you access to hallways of power when you arrive here. You're a Westerner in the eyes oh, of yes, I can a white sound South African. Like a terrible. Straight up white lady on the phone. My mother, who works as a nurse back in the day, she used to have to put people into care homes and they never knew that she was black on the phone and they would <laughs> tell her, We don't want to be we don't we don't want a black patient in her. Oh yeah, oh, they would say racist gosh. stuff to her all the time. And having no idea that she was black and she'd be like well, I'm just going to quietly let all of the black nurses on this unit know exactly how this family member feels about black or brown or ethnic, whatever type of person. But you, it's crazy because it wasn't always Karen. Do you remember? It started with Becky. Uh, yeah, Becky. <laughs> what is Becky a Becky? Becky with the good hair. But you know where Becky really started, right? Oh, my God. Becky, look at her butt. It is so big. I feel like her butt isn't yeah. even that. Not like in, no. two, in 2021, that is not a big butt. What the, <laughs> I live in not, Africa. He literally admitted those things. This is the <laughs> calm down. <laughs> oh my God. But it is. You're right. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. totally. With the good hair. Yeah. You know, I like that whole concept about good hair because my hair can do some wild shit. My hair can break teeth out of combs i couldn't even tell you how long like i can tell you how long my hair is now right because it's, it's hanging down but like when it's all free 
my hair is yeah. tall. Like I could do some wild stuff with my hair. So I don't know. If she's like my hair could. You could use my hair as like a tool on a car. Okay. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny because my my wife. You know, she's she's got like you know, she's a mixed race kind of. She hers is curly, but not. It, it's it just. It, it's it's it, she's she's an actor so she got like weird dynamics where a white person will brush her hair and that just makes it frizz uh but then but but my hair is way more coarse than hers so all this like her hair is like soft but it's just argumentative so this dynamics and in south africa i mean i'm sure you have the same problems there but this to get when a white person does her hair yes they fuck it up it's just, um, I don't know why she would even let them unless they're a gay man that has been studying yeah, black well, hair. Well, you are not uh, touching my hair. They're not touching. They do. She gone. You know, you got power dynamics of a set. You know, the the the, the and then the, the the hair person turns into a Becky because they don't want to admit that they don't know what they're doing, and then they insist <gasps> on brushing it out. And you you know the 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 director's white, the production person's white, the hair person's white, and if you speak up, you're that problematic brown person. So so you just don't speak up and then deal with the fact that your hair is sitting like this for half I, the shoot. I had to do, um, they, Fox was trying, they needed a presenter for a, a garden competition show and I was the presenter for the pilot. And I was just like, oh my God, thank God. I did my own braid. I do my own braids. I brought my own foundation. She was cool. You know, they were like, maybe you want to bring your own hair and makeup in. And then I just saw this one I'm not going to say she was the Becky, but she's like from Essex, you know, like she blonde chick. Like I was just like, girl, no, no, I got the foundation over here. Don't worry, girl. Don't worry, girl. But she did have all of Rihanna's like eyebrow pencils. So I was like, okay, she is trying. Can you, can you remember? I don't know if this person came along in South Africa, barbecue Becky. Did you ever hear about yes. barbecue Becky? Yes. Very quickly. You want to call the police yes. on them. I have called You want to call the police on them for having a barbecue on a Sunday a at the lake. Yes. I just looked at the map and it said this map is fine to barbecue. No, it's not. It does. Not for charcoal. Not a cut. You Did I just send it to you? Grill, follow me. Because she stole my card. Just she stay away from me. Can you give me my card that you heard? <laughs> yes. The card that she stole. Yes. Can you back off? Yeah, sure. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm at the quick stop. Ma'am, can you just back off yeah. just a tad? Cry, bitch, cry. Yesterday, crying about a freaking barbecue. Yesterday, that's just insane. And that was oh, a white woman. Yeah, I that, remember that, that made a, the rounds completely. There was, there was a white woman chasing her and she acted like that, okay? I'm like, girl, the Oscar is not going to you this evening. <laughs> that shit is not going to fly. I swear to God, uh, the camera phone is the best thing to happen to black people since James Brown. It shows all those little <laughs> moments that you couldn't, you can describe it. You could, but, but Do you know what it no is? one believes it. You go, you know, this crazy thing these people just did. And they, now we don't. Here's the video. In the nineties, yeah. we would tell them like, are you sure? Maybe you're reading a little bit too much into this. Yeah. Do you know no, what I mean? And you're like, no, 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 no. But yes, the stories my wife has, we, we lived in Seapoint for a long time, which is sort of previously white area. You beat Steve. You literally came to our house yeah. in Seapoint. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and the, 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 Beautiful the house. confidence. I know. Thanks. Yes, we saw that. So they could afford to travel. But the the the, the dynamics that she had face of people like barging in front of her at the counter and a shop, and then giving a tip to the. Now there's a black woman getting a tip from a white woman to be in cahoots to ignore the brown woman. 
And the black woman isn't powerful enough to put, because she's working. She can't go. She, she knows how this game works. If she argues, she's in trouble. But now my wife's watching a, a black woman be coerced into the system by this complete full-blown Becky, Karen, you, you totally just reminded me of an incident at Shaka Zulu Airport in Durban. I don't know if I ever told you the story of this one guy. This guy, okay, first of all, this guy was steaming drunk. He was attacking a Greek man. I don't know if, I, I can't remember what terminal it is, but there's this one little bar, but basically like his chair was like like a meter away from the uh, ca the cash register, right? So he just left it to save his table. And this guy's like, he could be a terrorist. He could be a terrorist. He starts going off and crazy. This guy's like, what are you talking about, man? Like, what are you on about? And so like, yeah. I just start laughing and I'm not even playing to you. He looked at me, said, shut up, you kaffir. Jeez. Oh, and I was yeah, just like, that's confidence. And then and I was just like, oh no, North North America came to the fucking airport. Okay. I was like, <laughs> did you give it to him? <laughs> listen, if, if I that. hadn't That's read, if, if I hadn't read A Long Walk to Freedom, I never would have known what a Kaffir was, but I did. Terrible, but terrible I did. Word. Oh, I know what it terrible. is. I, I know it's exactly terrible. what it is. I said, what did you call me? Then he gets quiet. And then the one, there's 10 people saw this happen. Mm. One white guy got up and he's like, you called her a Kaffir. And, and, and then he's still trying to pay for his drinks from these two of the servers who are black. And then she's about to, to hand him a wine. I'm like, don't you think he's had enough? And they're just, and I know they're scared because they know the power dynamic, but I'm steaming. I'm like, are you black? Call security. Yeah. <laughs> and security yeah, that's just... No, that's the problem. That's the problem. I mean, <laughs> and it gets, it gets really weird. It gets really weird. How, how then the, the power dynamics of white privilege in this environment, the, the Karenness gets pushed down. We, we recently had a guy going in traditional Ndebele dress. It's just traditional African clothing. In Africa, goes to a mall in Joburg, and the guy in charge of the shop kicked him out. And this was a black guy kicking another black guy out for dressing African in Africa. So the, <laughs> the dynamics that... that, that, that and this is where the entitlement sort of becomes obvious is that our bodies are so, you know, it's, it goes back to the sociology word habitus that our, our bodies are so protected as white people. And so in, in, in the subtlest of ways that like we've got police watching out for us all the time, security is watching out for us all the time, that you're kind of like a baby that forgets that it's being protected. You feel just this confidence. And the, so, the moment was this lady crying, the moment any pushback comes at us, we are incredibly defensive because we're not used to the idea of getting any pushback. So this level of crying and entitlement because somebody started pushing back to us after years of nobody pushing back to us is so extreme for us. It feels like the revolution started, but it's just people answering back versus everyone else, as I don't have to tell you, has been dealing with that kind of threat to their bodily being all the time. And particularly as men, I think. It's nice to hear a white... Karen. It's nice to hear a white person be so articulate about it. But I will say this. The story had a happy ending. Security. Yeah. So brown security came. And I was just like, yes, he called me a Kaffir, but they weren't going to just take my word. Thank God for the one white dude who came up. And he was yeah, like, he did call her a Kaffir. And this guy, just, <laughs> this guy had like the biggest shit eating grin on his face. Like, what are you going to do to me? Like, what can you people do to me? Yeah. And I just looked at him. And I'm like, well, you better enjoy that smile while you can. 
let's see if you get on that plane. No, and way. that's all I said. Oh no, he did not get on the plane, no, and it illegal. was a work function. It was a work yeah. function. Oh, so it's gonna get back. Oh, oh, I have job. Better have lost his job. Oh, that's I am a carrot. When it comes to like people like that, I. But I think that you're me. using the term. You're watering the term, Dan. You're not being I, a no, Karen. no, you're just not a Karen. Back to profound entitlement. There's that's nothing true. Karenish about that. That's true. You're right. I, that is not what a Karen is. But that's what we came here to discuss, right? What is actually a Karen? So let's talk a little bit about what a Becky is, because that's interesting to me. Uh, a Becky is a pejorative American slang term for white women. The term has been become associated with white girl who loves Starbucks, Uggs, and is clueless about racial and social issues according to the new statement. For this reason, Becky is often associated with the slang term basic, which has many similar connotations. Hmm. There we go. We got to learn a little bit. You know, you got to get, that's from Wikipedia. So you know, it must be true. <laughs> oh my God. This is one of my absolute favorite, favorite, well, not favorite, but you know, it is what it is. Have you seen this one? Young neighbor. Yeah. And um, illegally selling water without a permit. We don't know what happened leading up to this video being shot. Edel, being called Permit Patty online, says she was working at home upstairs, and Jordan's sales pitch was loud and nonstop. I tried to be polite, but I was stern, and and I said, please, I'm, I'm trying to work. You're screaming, you're yelling, and people have open windows. It's a hot day. Can you please keep it down? Edel says she never... Stop Come selling on water in my neighborhood. Just go away. Right. Don't he, don't he, and then and then and the whole thing, well, this isn't your building. You don't live here, right? Like that one guy who put Black Lives Matter on his own property. And then oh, that, that one couple came. Oh, I, do you know what the best thing to happen in the last year was? I should have I should have downloaded it, but it was just like you're like, you about to lose your job. <laughs> have you ever seen that one? And they start dancing. I think I it's so good. I played it a few times on this podcast. That's why I kind of left it. But this one is the one that really, really got to me. I don't know if you're familiar with this particular case. Are you kidding me? You feel like there's only one one iPhone made in the world? Last month, Ponsetto wrongly accused 14-year-old Keon Harold Jr. of stealing her phone in the lobby of Manhattan's Arlo Hotel, where he and his family were staying. No, I'm not letting him walk away with my phone. The video seen more than three million times was the thing. Do you want to get to that part? You're saying, look, I'm 22 years old. You're 22 years old, but you are old enough to know better. Oh, the hotel did have my. You're 22. I get it. Enough. The hotel did have my phone. Did you see her? Shush, Oprah's best friend. I was like, enough, enough, gal. <laughs> the confidence that it takes to use your body on another person in that way, that, that the weakness of that, the lowering of energy of that, that you feel entitled to. It's, it's, to a been... woman who is old enough to be her grandmother. Exactly. Yeah. Shocking. We need a, we need a rix, remix on the you about to lose your job. It's like, you about to lose your freedom. Yes, you are. <laughs> you about to lose your... Get behind those bars. You about to lose your... <laughs> It's ridiculous, but I would be just honest if I only included Karens in this because the male version of a Karen is what we would call a Chad. I don't know if you're familiar with any Chads, but these are some of my, here, here's a definition of a Chad. A Chad uh, in internet slang is generally a sexually active alpha male. The term has a history of being used by incels 
and other manosphere groups, though it has also become a slang term across the internet and among adolescents in general to refer to particularly attractive or confident males. That's not really the definition I was thinking of. I just feel like they're giving Chad too much fire there. Sorry, Wikipedia. yeah, I think me, I think men get an easy rap on this because our centrality is just taken for granted. Versus when a woman uh, applies a little bit of certainty, then we act like, "Ooh, what happened to you?" But if a man man does it, then we're being angry a, black you know, woman. Kind of... I'm an angry black woman, right? Yeah. Yeah, but if I'm just a loud white guy, then that's just that's because I'm a I'm a leader doing what we do. And it sort of it it sort of gets a bit more complicated because uh, the power that it's they they you always have to say five things in order to say one thing in this environment because it's it's always intersectional. You know, there's, there's complex ways of explaining it. But the the truth is that often being a white dude, particularly in South Africa, means that there's sort of like a certainty of self that means I don't have to scream and shout that much for, like I have to genuflect less to have the same damage. So in other words, the 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 concept of being you doesn't get it doesn't seem exceptional, even though it's ridiculous. Uh, you know the the whininess of white South Africans that we act like we're oppressed when they're like, how we literally are the wealthiest, most uh, highly employed, best access to education people in the country, but we'll go on like they're farm murders going on all the time. So the 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 concept of of of, of that chadness. Uh, just as a disclaimer, Dana, my sister's name is Karen and my name is Conrad. So, <laughs> so Koch. So, I think I'm the the male version of a Karen. To be honest. As they say that, as that northern game show host says in this country, unlucky, unlucky. <laughs> yes, there are Chads of the world, and I wonder why we focus a little bit more on the Karens than the Chads because the Chads oftentimes have more power this is what i would i don't think he's attractive i don't care to know about his sex life but this is one guy that drives me fucking bonkers lawrence or is no. it institutionally racist lawrence to include a, a historical reality in a film I think there were a lot of soldiers from all over the former empire, weren't there, fighting in World War One. So I suppose it would have been less incongruous to me if he'd got on the truck to a whole regiment of uh, Sikh soldiers. But Sam Mendes is a storyteller. It's a I mean, storyteller. And, and he tells a story in his own way, felt it was important to tell this story. It, as I say, it's, it, it is something that happened. Sikhs fought with British forces, not just with their own regiments. That's mm. a historical fact. To call it institutionally racist to tell that story is extraordinary. I don't think it's institutionally racist. I'm saying I think... I don't know if you're familiar with this character, but he's actually running for the mayor of London. Oh, I did. And, like and and he was so upset that a Sikh soldier should show up in a World War One movie. And then he basically got schooled by a bunch of historians about the amount of Sikh men that fought for this country. And this is somebody who wants to be a leader who clearly didn't do very well in school. I mean, how well could you do to say something so stupid on, uh, you know, national television? It's, oh. it's absolutely crazy to me. Well, it, it reminds me of the sort of Peter Dutton dynamic in Australia. Um, 
you know, that's cartoonist to drew Venus Williams. I think it was like about two years ago. Mm -hmm. Oh, I've seen Williams, that the monkey ish sort of thing. And, 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 and I put her lips are half of her face. Yeah, I know, just, just going mad. And I was there at the time. And, and I performed over, came, went back and performed over Australia day. And the, the, the amount, and I, it is something that I experienced in the UK, but I, there's also amazing liberal kind of side that it's just amazing. Islington, the, you know, the, the Bill Murray, that whole kind of world, Edinburgh, to some degree with caveats, uh, which you know well. But the, the dynamic of unawareness of the political pushback, like, for example, and it's sort of hard to explain unless you've lived in a kind of decolonized-ish, which we're not here, but we but further along on our fourth black president. But that, like the concept of Australia Day is inconceivable in South Africa. It just, if, you, if people listening don't know what that is, the Australians celebrate the day they colonized Australia, which is fucking bizarre. Well, Thanksgiving in America, right? Thanksgiving. No, it's just bizarre. Your Columbus Day. Columbus it's, Day, yeah. But it's bizarre. Like, what are, you, what are you doing? You're celebrating genocide. So the the, the it's insanity, and it's so insensitive. So so the, the, that guy's, you know... That the fact that the British ran India by forcing India to pay for its own colonization, that the Raj made the, taxed India to pay, and that poverty is felt today in India. The life expectancy in India is uh, about 68, and I think in, in the UK it's 81. I got, I don't quote me on those, but it's a 10-year gap, whatever mm -hmm. the exact number is. And it, I mean, that's a direct product of the fact that the UK took 17 81. trillion. Yeah, yeah, there's 17 trillion dollars out of India, a Columbia University researcher found, which is equivalent to 17 years of the UK's GDP. So, in other words, the UK is my show on racism. I'll bring to Edinburgh next year. Is the UK stopped working for 17 years? That's how much they took from India. So, India raised a little uh, a, a, a white kid that wasn't theirs, their original Angelina Jolie. So, the the the, the question of Sikh sh soldiers. I mean, the, the 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 UK won the, in most of Asia with an an army of Indian. Uh, the term only started making sense post colonialism, but people from that part of the subcontinent, uh, uh, soldiers. So the concept of the Sikh soldier, it, it, that's who the, the British army was. The white soldiers were a tiny minority compared to. So what the freaking? Thank you. I mean, I feel. Level, push back against that kind of ignorance is so hard to do in an environment where so much of your press we have far less of that kind of press here because it just wouldn't survive well i mean also you can't just leave people out of the story or just start the history when you Madness. came like as if nothing was happening in africa before you came they peddle so many ridiculous ideas i feel like sometimes i need to start the history books with once upon a time even this idea that africa is a shithole then get the fuck out of it because you yeah. all were scrambling for Africa, so far as I can remember, at the beginning yeah. of the 20th century. You have no problem taking the bauxite, the, the gold, the diamonds, the cotton, the rubber, the coltran, the fisheries, the land, like the people. Do you know what I mean? You like the amount, the, you the amount. stole the people. <laughs> thank you. And, and not even, let's, let's not even get into like the neocolonialism payments because we'll be here all day. But I think yeah. there has to become a point. And that's why I love doing this podcast is because I, I should probably do a podcast on what did Britain take. <laughs> that won't be very. You don't have enough time. <laughs> you don't have enough time for that on this one. So we should actually, with our time constraints, get to what we came here to do, which is the side eye of 
the week. And your side eye were the cable, uh, sorry, Cape Town Table Mountain fires. And I have a little clip for you. Can we all just say footsack to the wind in Cape Town? The wind in Cape Town is so cuck it could get a spot on Showmax. The wind in Cape Town is so unbelievably cuck Helen Zeller's going to tweet it. The wind in Cape Town is exactly the wrong thing at exactly the wrong time. It's like Eismacher Schule. It's making the fire go faster. It's doing for the fire what Facebook did for stupid people. Usually when people burn Feinbos at UCT it's Dacha. But in this case it's a tragedy. People have lost their hope so I mean no disrespect. The only time it's funny when someone loses their home is when they're drunk and it's their tent at a music festival. I can't find my tent. The thing we all need to be aware of is that in Cape Town, the speed with which the city responds to fires can often be political. 4,000 people can lose their homes in a shack fire and the city of Cape Town will respond like maybe perhaps later if we can. All I'm saying is there are times that if your shack is burning down in Cape Town, you'll fight it faster if you order Bon Aqua bottles from Uber Eats. This fire destroyed the library at UCT. It's bad for everyone. We must try not to make it political because we're South African. We make everything political. If you order white chocolate in South Africa, someone's gonna act like you've committed a hate crime. White chocolate, hey? It had to be white chocolate. Because it's a matter of ours before the DA tries to blame this wind on the ANC. Finally, shout out to the firefighters. You can support by dropping your food and supplies. Do it by- Please like, share, and subscribe. Thanks! <laughs> there you go. Great content. So many. Thanks, 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 Dennis. So much of that was a South African- Dacha is a sort of South African word for weed. Uh, and uh, I'm familiar. The, the, well, you would know, yeah. So the, you know, having come here, but the uh, the the rest of the the cuck is is shit. But the, you know, the the what happened was Dana. The the why it's a sort of side eye is that firstly, um, while this fire was absolutely horrific, and it is uh, the African Studies Library burnt down, just access to UCT, which is good for all most Capetonians, is very much a privileged university uh, in who gets access in many ways. Uh, but a fire will rage in shacks uh, in Cape Town. Four thousand people lose their homes. And no one care. Yeah, and it's, it's just much slower. I mean, the, does it even get you know, covered the, like half the time? No, you won't. You won't hear about it. It'll be. Oh, well, it's a bit sad, but that was the first thing. And then the real Karen moment was that it turns out there's some people who live in the area, and, is, and that area where the fire hit hardest is all previously white because we lived, gave ourselves the best places to live with the view. Uh, and what happened was people try to walk their dogs while this fire is raging. So you can imagine like, oh, I'm walking my dog. You can't, don't tell me, don't tell me, walking my dog. <laughs> like there's a freaking fire, well, go home. And, you know, it, it's just the level of entitlements and uh, uh, dynamics around that are sort of a bit hard to watch. But as always, it's complicated uh, because, it, you know, uh, yeah, it's it is it is complicated, but yeah, I totally understand the entitlement. Like how all, all of a sudden, because you don't find lockdown convenient, you're gonna say that um, COVID is a hoax. Do you like we just live in that age where it, it doesn't even it doesn't really ca doesn't really make any difference having discussions with certain people because I feel like there's this huge culture of we only believe what's convenient to us. That, well, yeah, that's I mean, at least how it seems people. to me. We 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 had we had we had people uh, going oh you know uh, we feel we're being forced to stay at home this feels like a part eight and then people who actually went through a part eight were like whoa 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 <laughs> there's a massive difference between not being able to go in a, to a bar and having to have a license or you go to jail if you're caught on the streets <laughs> or how about you don't know what apartheid feels like yeah simple as that it, it it's absolutely 
It is, it is madness. This is my side eye of the week, and this was a, one of those. I'll, we'll show you the clip first. Mrs. Rosario has something about one of it's those. It's Dr. Standards, Rosario. Thank you, sir. Mrs. Rosario has something Do about. Dr. He would hmm. not call her by her. And not even that. She said, it's Dr. Rosario. It's like, Mrs. Rosario. Mrs. Rosario. And you know what happened to that motherfucker? He about to lose his job. Yes, he really? did. Good. Yes, he lost his Jack, job. The committee, the committee voted him out. Just leave. get out. No, leave, man. Jeez, catch up. I can't. Why must we do those little moments? They're just like lit. Like it's it's like see, you have you ever seen dogs try to like like uh, a power down each other where they just mm -hmm. it's, it's such it's just such insecure bullshit behavior. I just, I hate it when I see that kind of and stuff because it's such, the, it's such demeaning crap. The one thing I can say about all the Karens that we've been talking to today is people, anytime you feel you're getting Karen, this is your best friend. And if you really want to make it pop on social media, got to give it that landscape view. Don't none of this do it like this. That's right. I got Ro Roland Martin. <laughs> You know what makes me worry, though, is that most Karen situations happen in environments where the person who's speaking back, and it's in my environment, usually a person of color, does not have the power to really talk back, cannot pull their phone out at, at work or on a customer because they'll lose their job. So uh, I think it's up to people with power, and unfortunately that often is allies, which often means white people, men, etc., and we need to do it in a way that doesn't just self-congratulate. Need to be the one pulling the phone out. You can't expect that worker at the KFC. Well, we got at least phone. now we have the, the 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 police wearing body cam that has helped so yeah. many people. Yeah, that has yeah. changed people's lives. Let's get right into the side eye quiz, which is just meant to give people a little bit more information about what is happening. All right. Just if you can guess this, how many people were killed by police in the U.S. between 2014 to 2020? I have no idea. Jeopardy, right? Never mind. Okay. Five seven seven thousand six hundred and eighty people were killed by police, and what percentage of those killed were black? Eighty percent. Actually, it was only twenty five percent were black, even though blacks make up twelve point five percent of the U.S. population. Um, how many people? Oh, I can't believe I forgot an L. Sorry, guys. Sometimes with PowerPoint, I go a little fast. How many people were killed by police in South Africa in two thousand and twenty? This is terrible. Yeah, during lockdown. Killed, not Kyled. <laughs> Like I misspelled it. I misspelled it. I forgot Kyle that L. Sometimes I'm just like, let's get this. Any idea? Me, I think it's 11 or 12. Mm -mm. Maybe 17. How many is it? 424. That no, is there was this one, one guy, every 20 hours. One, no, no, it's insane. No, it's insane. There's one guy uh, was literally, you weren't allowed to walk outside. So, but you can't be outside your yard and you can't drink, you, you can't drink in public in South Africa, but you can't be outside your house. But if you live in a shack, 
There's no way not to be outside your house because you have four other people in an iron box. Of course you have to be outside. So this rule didn't make sense. So this, they caught this guy outside his kind of little area and they, they clubbed him to death. And it was like, but where was he meant to be? But then you'll see white South Africans sitting on their lawn on the curb, having a barbecue, sitting across from each other, socially distanced, and the police won't do anything. It's black cops. So it's just this tragic enforcement of white supremacy at every turn. It's so ugly. It's crazy. And another thing I thought was very interesting is if you actually look at the graph um, of murders per 100,000 people, you'll notice right here where it takes a spike is from 1975, and it's at its highest at 1993, mm. which is r right when apartheid was ending and Mandela was getting free. So mm. if you don't think that these things are connected, that we, re we recently had a race report, a race report, that uh, apparently discovered that there is no institutional racism in the UK. <laughs> Yeah, the UN madness. condemned the UN UN condemned that report. Oh, this that is an interesting. Madness. It is. How many people have been killed by police in the UK since twenty? It since the beginning of twenty twenty. That's I'm like totally out of my depth. I have no idea. I didn't know the UK police were capable of killing. You, it, you look I'm, at that crazy five. Five. <laughs> yeah. No. Five. Doubt. Two and two were Muslim. That's all I can. Oh no, three were Muslim. Three of Graham, the yeah, yeah. Gr sometimes mm -hmm. black people like my name's Dane Alexander, so I'm Graham T Trinder, uh, Wilshire, arguing. No, oh wow, brandishing a rifle. Okay, shot dead. But you, like when you can just have a graph of like five, even if you look at the whole of the the 2010s, it's like 15. Do you know what I mean? But when they did kill Mark Duggan in 2011, the entire well. London went up in flames, parts of North London, I should say. Birmingham had riots. Um, Liverpool mm. had riots. Manchester had riots because there's a point where it's like, I'm, I'm glad that when it really comes down to it, that the UK is like, we, we will kick off. If you want to sit there and kill us, like, don't think you're going to pull that America stuff on us. But mm. what I wanted to figure out is, do you think that there's a difference between institutional and systematic racism? Um, systemic, I, sorry. Systemic. Well, my understanding of it is sort of um, a systemic racism will be like um, South Africa has access in South Africa. Access to education is violently predicated on race or uh, the fact that um, the to toilets in South Africa, the public toilets, the, the amenities in our community, the money goes to wealthier areas versus if you live in a informal settlement you're on your way to the toilets you will literally get raped and that you have to go to outside toilets and they, they, the refugee camps have that terrible. problem too yeah, yeah ex exactly but i mean this is just normal living uh, you know that most south african kids don't make like here's a crazy example after grade four in south africa you have to learn in english imagine that you're a closer speaking kid and from grade four Imagine we all suddenly had to start go to school in German, at, yeah, and we're like eight. It's madness, or whatever grade four is. Like, what's that? Eight, eight or nine. So, so that's institution. That's systemic. Uh, but institutionalized ra institutional racism uh, is more like um, 
when your when your workplace in South Africa this is a big deal expects everyone to be there at nine, forgetting that if you live in a previously disadvantaged area, that that would that apartheid literally moved black people out of town. So to get to town, you've got to catch three buses and a train. The train doesn't work. And, and so those that, buses are very weird with the times. They only go when, uh, when they're no, full. No, no, they're crazy, crazy, and, and dangerous as hell. So, but the point being that your workplace, the, the, the culture of the company will ignore the, this dynamic of you can get here at nine and you must also be here at nine, treating us like we have the same, living the same lives. So my understanding of those terms is that that's, is the, the systemic is more in the larger uh, structure of the way a country works and institutionalized is within the way not recognizing of not recognizing the differences in how our lives happen that's All really the fact good that we, you can go to you go to work in english like uh you know uh, uh someone's first language closer speaking and we'll have to come to a workplace where not just in english but the right accent in english and your your intelligence level will be judged on your ability to use the right english word at the right time welcome to england uh, yeah yeah i can only imagine I love being Canadian in England because they're like, we don't know what class she is. Where do we put her? Where do we put her? We don't know what she is. <laughs> and I'm it's like, so you'll true, never eh? know. Yeah, <laughs> I'm from can a country where in Canada. Can you tell in Canada? No, man, you can. You, can, you, can, you, can you, got, you got you got a chance in Canada. Canada doesn't have enough people to put on so many airs, and they have. We're, we're, we're very. We 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 accept the fact that we're immigrants. Do you know what I yeah. mean? And we're proud yeah. of the fact that we're, you know, yeah. you, one thing I thought was so sweet about our, our prime minister, when the Syrians came, he went to the airport with winter jackets for each of them. The first, oh. everybody had homes. Oh. Do you know what I mean? Everybody had the right no, to I be Canadian Canada. in five years. He Canada. shook hands with everyone. And mm -hmm. you know what? He didn't call them immigrants. You know what he called them? New Canadians. <laughs> Give it up for Justin Trudeau. Uh, we no had wonder the he looks like Harry Potter. He actually looks like white Aladdin, even though he did black. He does. When he did that blackface Aladdin, do you remember that? When he got done for it, I'm like, you know, he does look like Aladdin, though. He does. He does. But that is the end of our podcast. Conrad, thank you so much for coming Thanks, on the show. David. We're just a tiny, tiny bit over time. Please let our viewers where they can find that. Let, please let our viewers know where they can find you on social media. Thank you. You can follow me at Chester Missing, as in something is missing, the name Chester, on all platforms. It's Mr. Chester Missing on Facebook, TikTok, at Chester Missing, uh, Facebook, Mr. Chester Missing, Twitter, Chester Missing, Instagram, Mr. Chester Missing. Uh, we post lots of clever little racial, political, socio-political stuff. Thanks, and watch out for our show at Edinburgh next year. It'll be called White Noise, Unpacking Colonialism and uh, Ooh, white privilege i will definitely be there oh you know what's so funny on the last podcast i did i told a story about this remember when we went swimming in switzerland my you, that was bananas. when you got robbed when you got robbed, I got robbed in switzerland why so robbed in switzerland the irony <laughs> i know right because you put your stuff i was like let me put it next to them posh french kids they ain't gonna touch my anyway it looked like it would be fine did you get any of that water in your mouth i probably did it tasted delicious. It's Do you remember how delicious? It's literally on the other side of that lake. It was gorgeous. That was some of the tastiest lake water I ever had in my life. It was such a great, <laughs> it was such a great vibe. It was so like summery in Switzerland. With and we did shows for refugees. It was amazing. Yeah, and then that one woman who ran the refugee chair is like, it's all well and good that we have them here, but how do we get them to go back? I was like, <laughs> Do you remember that woman? 
Do you remember that woman? I was so shocked. I was like, lady. <laughs> aren't you hosting this shit? And then all the refugees are just kind of like. Crazy things. Like, wait, sitting in, sitting in a palace in Switzerland. Like. In a palace in Switzerland. Damn. Like, what? This is so crazy. Yeah. That was bananas. Uh, folks, make sure you check out the weekly side eye every single Wednesday at eight o'clock. Today was a special time just for this week, so we could have this lovely guest on. And of course, you can check me out on Foodie Fridays at six p.m. So yeah, thank you so much, Conrad, for coming on to the show. What a great podcast, Dana. Thanks. It's always great to hang out with you. One of my favorite comics in the world. So thanks. For oh, thank you so much. And say goodbye to our viewers. I guess that's it. Thank you guys so Bye, much. Everybody. Take care. Cheers, Bye. Guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's me again. They call me Alexandra the Great. Y'all better know. This is Apocalypse Entertainment, man. And we got this. That's right.